Lord. Praise the Lord for his grace. Praise the Lord for his grace. Man, it is it is a pleasure to be with with the people of God this morning. Can can we give can we give the Lord a hand clap? A hand clap praise. It's good it's good to be with God's people. I'm excited to share God's word. As Pastor Eric said, uh, my name is Pastor Jeremy. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here at the Brook. I have the honor of, of serving here. And today I have the honor of, of preaching God's word. And what a, what a great and wonderful uh, task. Um, so if you'll join me in prayer as we, as we look to God's word. Heavenly Father, we just, we just thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, we thank you, Lord, because you woke us up this morning. You gave us breath in our lungs. Lord, you gave us movement in our bodies. Lord, you mobilized us to this gathering, Lord, and we just want to thank you, Lord. And we worship you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, just for meeting us during the worship time. Lord, we thank you for the worship team, oh great God. And now, Father, we want to look at your word. We want to ask you, Lord, to speak to us. Speak loud and clear to us, Father. We need a word from you today. And I pray that the seed of your word would fall on good soil, that it would fall in our hearts, Lord, and that we would obey you, oh great God. Let the meditations of my heart and the words that I speak be pleasing to you, oh great God. I need you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Well, if this is your first time here at the Brook, I just want to say um, welcome. And one of the things that you need to know about the Brook is that we love, we love to serve God. We love to sing to God. We love to serve God in our community. And, and the reason for that is because God has loved us. God has served us, and we want to continue to serve people so that people would see God's love through us in our neighborhood. And, you know, as, as you walk with God or if you're maybe new to, to a church setting, one thing that you'll notice very quickly is that walking with God in large part is service to God, serving God. If you're married here today, if, if you're a student here today, when you serve your spouse, the Bible calls us to serve our spouse as if we're serving the Lord. Or if you're a student here today and you're working hard on your grades or you're, you're an athlete in school, uh, the, the Bible makes note that we should be doing those things as our service unto God. If you're an employee in here, if you have a, a job or maybe you're a homemaker here today, the, the, the word of God calls us to serve God um, through those things. We don't merely just serve uh, people. If you're here at the Brook, we, we oftentimes call you to, to serve in the neighborhood through our real communities. We believe that God has called us to be his hands and feet. We want to be a tangible witness in the community. But we don't just do it just to serve our community. We want to serve God as we serve our community. But this morning, as we think about our service unto God, I want to speak from a particular subject. And that all of us feel when you're serving God in any capacity. And that subject is, I've had enough. I've had enough. I've had enough of serving God. This past week, I finished my sermon, ironically, sooner than I usually do. 
and man, things were going well. And then last night, I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't sleep because all I could think about was my uncle. My uncle was was known to be just a servant of God. I mean, serve God greatly, very unknown. I mean, very anonymous. And then one day we get a phone call. He gets hit by a car, and he's crippled. And still to this day, he cannot talk. He cannot walk. He was in good health. And I remember I was just thinking like, man, God, he served you. Our family, we, we served you. And I remember we, us having conversations like, man, we just had enough of serving God. Is, is this what we get for serving God? This? I've had enough. You see, when you serve God long enough, you'll begin to notice that your service unto God oftentimes is received with gossip, not edification. Lies about you, not truth. Criticism, not understanding. It's met with danger, not safety. And this leads us to pray to God and say, I resign. I can't do it no more. I've had enough. This morning, we're going to be looking at the life of Elijah. We're going to pick up in our study. We've been going through this series on prayer, looking at the life of Elijah. Elijah was a great man. God used him greatly. And here, what we'll see in a moment is that Elijah throws up, I have, I've had enough, that type of prayer in his moment of despair. So if you could turn in your Bibles and stand to your feet to the book of First Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, and in the Pew Bible, or the Bible underneath your chair, um, that's page 301, 301. And if, if you don't have a Bible, consider it a gift from the brook. 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to pick up in verse 9. 1 Kings chapter 19, page 301. It says this. There he, that's Elijah, came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the Lord of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by in a great, um, a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broken pieces, the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, for the Lord of hosts. 
For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel to be king over Syria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. In Elijah, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Haziel shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet, can somebody say yet? Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kiss them. God bless the reading of his word. You may take your seats. This is Elijah's I've had enough type of prayer. And he says I have enough and it's, it's, it's kind of ironic because the context of this prayer is in chapter 18, Elijah in chapter 18, he slaughtered false prophets in Israel after God used him to show that Israel's God is the one and only true God. And in chapter 19, prior to the verses that we read in verse 9, Elijah is discouraged because doing and proclaiming God's word led him to receive a life-threatening word. It was a word from the queen of Jezebel who didn't obey the Lord God, the God of Israel, the historic God of Israel. And the word that he got from Jezebel was this, essentially, I swear to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And we can't blame Elijah because after this, Elijah, he flees from Israel, the place where God had called him to be and the chapter before and he did what many of us do. He, he fleed from that dangerous situation. He did like many of us do. He let a life-threatening word override the word of God in our lives. So in our passage that we read today, the Holy Spirit is going to teach us how God responds to us when we've had enough in serving him. How does God speak to us when we've had enough? Church family, can you say, I've had enough? I know you've had moments like that. And if you haven't, you will have moments like this. So verse 9, what we see is Elijah, he flees to the wilderness. It's about 120 miles from the place that God had called them to be. And Elijah's prayer reveals how bad Elijah's state of mind is. The first thing that we see is that Elijah would, have a, would rather have death than live in danger. And verse 4, at the end, you'll see that he says, It's enough. Now, O Lord, take my life. Now, notice this. It's almost as if he's commanding God. In the, in the Hebrew, it's, it's almost as if he's, he's telling God an imperative, which is kind of ironic. You ever been there where you start telling God what he should do? This is what Elijah's doing. He said, God, enough. Essentially, what he's saying is, stop doing this. Stop sending me into places like this. That's, that's what he's saying. I've had enough. Stop it, God. 
I don't want to live to serve you no more. Can you just feel his heart in this? But Elijah also feels insignificant. Because then after that, he says, for I'm no better than my father's in verse 4. Do you see that? That 4 that you see is an indication of a reason. And saying, I'm no better than my father's is just another way of saying, I'm as good as dead. My life does not matter no more. God, how are you going to stick me in this situation where I'm going to die? I mean, I served you. I mean, you, you, you did some great things to me, through me, God. And, and, and I thought success would happen, but, but God, I'm as good as dead. My life does not matter no more. You see that in Elijah's cry? To make matters worse, Elijah feels incapable. Because after that, Elijah goes to sleep. And I like this because some theologians say that Elijah probably went to sleep hoping to die in his sleep. You ever been that depressed where you're like, man, I cannot take life no more. God, I'm serving you. I'm trying to be the best husband that I could be. God, I'm, I'm serving you. I'm trying to be the best student, best athlete that I could be. I'm trying to represent you, but all of that is tumbling down. God, I've had enough. I hope you kill me in my sleep. Elijah goes to sleep. And then the word of God says that the angel of the Lord came to Elijah and gave him food. Now that's pretty miraculous. But then think about this. Elijah gets this supernatural experience. He gets food, but then guess what he does? He falls asleep again. Which is to say, man, Elijah is in a really, really bad place in his walk with the Lord. And we're not talking about somebody who disobeyed God. We're talking about somebody who's obeyed God. Good Christians have hard days too. Sometimes we're serving God and we, we love to serve God and, and we think it's going to be all good. But there's some days where you're like, man, Lord, I've been faithful to you and this just sucks. I would rather die than have this. This is where Elijah is at. So Elijah goes to sleep again, even after a miraculous experience. He feels incapable. But twice, you can't miss this. Twice, the angel of the Lord gives him food and sets him out on a journey for 40 days and 40 nights. Meaning that even though Elijah was persistently rebellious against what God wanted him to do, God was much more persistent in equipping him to do what he called him to do. And what the text is trying to teach us is that God strengthens us when we feel weak. And God strengthens us through natural means that he created. He didn't give him a miraculous sign, which is interesting. Elijah, he did some miraculous things. God revealed himself in some pretty miraculous ways. But in this instance, God gave him food. God let him sleep. And church family, I just want to let you know that a supernatural God has also created natural means to strengthen us. And this is what the text is trying to teach us. That sometimes the way that God strengthens us, in many ways the way that God strengthens us, is by eating properly. 
getting some sleep when we feel tired, when we say, man, God, I've had enough. Get some sleep. Get some eight hours in. Get some exercise in. Eat healthy. Or sometimes what God does through natural means is he gives us a helping hand. In this instance, he gave him an angel. Man, take advantage of the people who are trying to help you in a natural way. He's just trying to be a friend to you. Give you a phone call. God is trying to teach us that he strengthens us through those natural means, even though he's a supernatural God. And we can't forget that Elijah was appointed to be the prophet of Israel. And you would think this is good enough to get him through to get back to his post. You would think that. But God wanted to teach him something about his perspective on who God was. He wanted to shift Elijah's perspective from who Elijah thought that God was. And that's what we see in the next passage. So he leaves and he's south of Israel and he he goes into this wilderness, the wilderness of Sinai. And he he arrives at this mountain called Horeb. It's a very famous place from the Bible. And here what we see is two things. First, that at Horeb, God engages Elijah's faulty perspective. In verse 9 and 10, if you look at it, what he says is, what are you doing here? That's what God tells him. And then Elijah says, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the Lord of hosts. And then essentially what he tells God is, man, God, God's people, your people have abandoned your way. They've desecrated worship and they silenced God's word because they killed the prophets. You see, this is the mountain where God spoke to Moses. He gave the, his law on this mountain. And here, Elijah is speaking to God. And instead of God giving him a word, God listens to his question. God engages his faulty perspective. But why is it a faulty perspective? Because in chapter 18, what we see is that he's, belie- he's believing a lie because Obadiah, which was a friend of his, he hit a hundred faithful prophets in the cave. So that's a lie. Not all the prophets were dead. And after Elijah displayed God's power in chapter 18, what we see is that God's people turned back. They repented back to God. So Elijah is believing a lie. Church family, we believe lies, don't we? When we're in moments of despair, man, sometimes we're just like, man, I don't want to hear it. I feel like I am all alone. This is what Elijah feels. But the second thing that we see is that at Horeb, God gave Elijah more knowledge of who he is. And I love this in verse 11 and 12. What God tells him to do, he says, stand on the Mount Horeb, just like Moses. Moses was a man who received a word from God in a similar posture. But here, Elijah, he's still reluctant. The word of God says that he's still chilling in the, in the cave. And then it says that the Lord passed by. The presence of the Lord passed by on Horeb. And the first thing that happened was a wind. And the wind begins to break down all the rocks. But then the word of God says, but the Lord God was not in the wind. Then it says an earthquake happened when the Lord's presence passed by. 
And then it says, but the Lord God was not in the earthquake. And if that isn't miraculous enough, then it says, a fire appeared from heaven as the Lord was passing by. But the word of God in verse 12 says, but the Lord was not in the fire. You see, many times throughout the Old Testament, God used nature to communicate something unique about himself. In Exodus 19, 18, if you were to read that, you would see that the earthquake to communicate that the Lord God is holy and set apart. You can't just come to God any old way. In 1 Kings 18, 45, in Elijah's life, the wind blew to communicate that rain would come after a long drought, signaling that the Lord God was a provider. In 1 Kings 18, 38, this is in Elijah's life, Fire was thrown down from the heavens unto a sacrifice that Elijah had just prepared to display that the Lord God and him alone is the only one to be worshipped. But this is not good enough for Elijah. Because Elijah was still in the cave. The word of God, if you read it carefully, it says that he came to the cleft of the cave after he heard a whisper. And in the Hebrew Really, that's an indication of silence. He just heard silence. He just heard life the way that it naturally goes. What God is trying to teach Elijah is that surely he is a God who is holy. Elijah got that. He was a holy man. This is a, this is a good Christian. Came on, he came to church on Sunday every day, and he never missed real community. I'm just saying. So he understood that. He, he also understood that, that God was a provider. God had provided after a long drought, and he used him. He understood that. He also understood that God only and God alone is to be worshipped. Because when things were going evil, he actually obeyed God up until this point. So he knew that. But, but Elijah was missing something in his theology, and I love this. He missed that God is not just a provider. He missed that God is not just holy. He missed that God is not just a God who's going to come through in the clutch. God is a God who works through the everyday, the mundane. And church family, that's what God is trying to teach us. That God is not just a supernatural God who works in supernatural ways. He's a supernatural God that works in the everyday, the ordinary, the mundane. So yes, he did give us, he did give us healing. We can ask God for healing, but he also gave us medicine. Yes, God does heal us in our spirit and in our soul, but God also gave us therapy. Yes, there are days where, man, God, he supernaturally gets us a ride to come to church service, but sometimes God gives us a bus pass to make it here. God is trying to show us that he is sovereign over all things and he's not just one dimensional. And that's what Elijah needed to hear. That is what Elijah needed to learn in church family. We need to know that God works in your job. We need to know that God placed you in your job to provide for you. You might be boring, but God placed you there to provide for you. 
We need to know that God placed you in that school if you're here and you're young so that he could equip you and educate you. That's God's fingerprint. We can't just get stuck with the miraculous signs of God. Those are great. But what we see here is that's not good enough sometimes to get us through. Sometimes when we pray out to God and we're real, God just needs to say, hello, I'm not just one dimensional. I'm infinitely dimensional. I'm way bigger than you thought. I know you've seen me perform, but I'm way bigger than my performance. And whatever I reveal to you, that's what I am. But that's still not big enough. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that. So God is teaching him that he strengthens him. And he's trying to shift his perspective and make his perspective of God bigger. Now you would think that that's good enough for Elijah. But it's, it's not good enough for Elijah. Elijah's still tripping. Because in verse 14, he still says, I am alone. Imagine that. He sees all of these great signs. He has an appearance of God. And then he's still tripping, saying, God, I am alone in this place. You have forsaken me. They're going to kill me. God, you're going to leave me out like that? That's how he responds to God when God engages him after this supernatural experience. In verse 14. And what God gives him is security. He gives him security of a new assignment in Israel. In verse 15 and 16. In verse 15 it says, And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way. Which is to say, Go back to your assignment. I called you to Israel, not to Horeb. Horeb is great and I did some great things. And I'm going to continue to speak. But you got to go back to Israel. Because that's your assignment. But then he broadens his assignment and he tells them, anoint two kings. One king, Haziah over Syria, and one king in Israel, and his name was Jehu. He was called to serve Israel, his people, and to serve Israel's enemies. That's kind of ironic. Sound familiar? We're not just called to serve the church. We're also called to serve the world, people who are enemies to God. This is what God calls Elijah. But God doesn't just give him the security of an assignment. God gives him the security of a community. At the end in verse 18, he says, yet I will leave 7,000. You see that in verse 18? 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. So the assignment he had was just not one role for God's purposes, but it was one role in the midst of many roles for God's purposes. He was called to live in community, to serve in community. It's almost as if God is telling him, you've been doing it alone too much. So God taught him that he strengthens him through natural means. He also taught him that he is way bigger than who Elijah thought he was, but God also teaches him that Elijah even though he felt depleted and done, he had a purpose and he had a team. Man, that is good news. Because that's what God provides us. You see, 
God has allowed us to create opportunity, to have opportunity as a church. And church family, I want to let you know that if you've been trying to serve your, your, your job, trying to serve your wife, trying to serve um, as a youth, if, if you've been trying to do these things alone, then you are going to burn out. You need to serve alongside some other brothers who can say, hey, I got your back, bro. I know, I, know, I know you've been single and you're serving God and you're getting tired, but, man, I got your back. I'm going to serve with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join you in what you're doing. But we can't stop serving. We still have a purpose. And we need to be reminded of that. But then the other thing is we need to be honest. We need to look up and see that there's other people who are not just serving alongside us. They struggle with the same things that you struggle with. You think you're the only one people are gossiping about? You think you're the only one who's criticized? Call Pastor Eric. He'll let you know. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, seriously, leaders get super, super criticized. Everything that we don't do, we get criticized for. Everything that we do, we get criticized for. You, you ain't the only one. You can talk to one of us. I won't tell you any, you know, legitimate examples. I'll give you some, you know, analogies or, or some, you know, some hints. No, I'm just playing. I would never do that. I would never do that. But you're not the only one. So we need to struggle with other people. Sometimes we need to hear what other people are struggling with too. And this is what God is trying to teach Elijah. You're not alone. You still have a purpose and you still got a team. But Elijah, you've been doing it all alone for way too long. And you got me messed up because I'm working not only in your life, I'm also working in other people's lives. And the same way that I've preserved you is the same way that I've preserved them. You're not all that in a bag of chips, Elijah and Jeremy. And the story ends. Now, you would think that would be good enough for you to continue to serve God when you feel your moments of despair. I would think... Man, after hearing all of that, man, you would, you would want to serve God, but, but that ain't good enough for you. I could imagine that there's people here who are skeptical because God hasn't revealed himself to you like he did to Elijah in miraculous ways. You haven't heard the, the audible voice of God. You've never experienced an angel coming through from heaven and giving you some food. You might be thinking at this church service, man, I've never seen God. I don't know who God is. This is the first time that I'm in a church service. What are you talking about? Where is God? In theology, there's this thing called a theophany. Can you say theophany? A theophany is any time the pre-incarnate son of God appears in human form, but is not exactly human. It's the appearance of of the second person of what we call the Trinity on earth. And this is in the Old Testament. You'll see this in verses 5 and 7 specifically because oftentimes when we see a theophany, a pre-incarnate son of God, what we, what we see is the title, the angel of the Lord. Do you see that in verse 5? Verse 7, the angel of the Lord. It was the angel of the Lord 
the pre-incarnate son of God that gave Elijah food. Now, I want to let you know, because we can't forget this, that the angel of the Lord didn't just stay the angel of the Lord. He appeared as the angel of the Lord, but this was God in the flesh. And I I came on my way to to glory to tell you that the pre-incarnate son of God is Jesus. And 2,000 years ago, he appeared in human form once and for all. He didn't just appear. He, he stayed for 33 years of his life. And what I like about this is that Jesus, if you read his biographies in the New Testament, you'll see how Jesus showed that he just wasn't a human. He wasn't just flesh. He was also a provider because he fed 5,000 plus people miraculously. He also showed that he wasn't just a human who just, you know, roams around the earth and cares for people. What we see is that one day Jesus was chilling on a boat, sleeping, and his disciples were caught in a storm. And during this storm, Jesus, he gets up and he shuts up the nature and he, he says, be quiet, essentially. And what we see is that Jesus isn't just human. He is the God who is over all creation, all wind, all fire. This Jesus... Also, he lived a perfect life. And then he died on a cross where people mocked him, where he was tired, where the the Bible records that Jesus was depressed, crying out, Lord, if there's any other way, then please take me out of this situation. But let your will be done, not my will be done. And he still obeyed God. And he died on the cross and he rose from the grave. And see, the good news is this, that he didn't just show that he has life. He showed through his resurrection that he gives life even in the messed up situations. And that is what we serve God with. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25. Man, I feel like preaching now. It says that Jesus is chilling, praying for us. Advocating to the Father for us. For those who believe that Jesus died on the cross and resurrected from the grave. And this is what makes it good enough for us. That when we pray, we're guaranteed That God will give us the strength through natural means. God will give us a supernatural experience to shift our perspective of who he is. And God will also give us a purpose in a team. We could be assured of that because Jesus is praying for us. So when we pray, Jesus prays to us, advocates to us, to God the Father. And God the Father dispenses those things to his children. So if you're a child of God here or if you're not a child of God, I want to let you know that you could be a child of God today at this moment because of what Jesus did on the cross. And I just want to let you know that what God is trying to teach us more than anything and because of Jesus, when we pray, God takes us from I've had enough of serving to, have, to having I've had enough of Jesus for serving. Church family, I pray that when we pray, we could say I've had enough because of Jesus and I can do this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your grace. 
We thank you for your love. We thank you for your truth. God, I thank you for bringing every broken soul in this place. This Anybody who's depressed in here, anybody who's going um, through just uh, some, some crazy circumstances, Lord. Maybe, they, maybe they're, they're struggling here, not knowing where they're at with you, Lord. I pray that today, Father, we would look to Jesus, the one who conquered death, Lord. And I pray that you would strengthen us for your glory to continue to serve you in those spaces and in the places you've called us to serve you. Oh God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church family, at this moment, I'm going to call up our ushers, or excuse me, our prayer counselors to come up and pray. If, if you're here today, you could rise to, everybody could rise to your feet right now. If you're here today and you're saying, man, I need I need an answer to my prayer. I've said I've, I've had enough, and I, I just need enough of Jesus today. If that's, if that's you here today, I just want to let you know, man, that these people are great people. I know them all. They just want to pray for you and come alongside of you. So if that's you here today, come on. Man, what a morning we've had, church. We serve a God who meets us right where we're at in amazing ways. Uh, Pastor Jeremy, thank you, man. I needed that today. I needed that. Um, the last several weeks, we've been talking a lot about prayer. And if you missed last week with Josh Phillips, um, you, you, need, you need to listen to that. It was on iTunes. Go give, go give it a listen on our, our podcast. Maybe someone today you heard, as you heard Pastor Jeremy preach, like, man, someone needs to hear this, man. Forward that message to them. All right, this is God's word living and active. I love that, man. We've, we've all been in the I've had enough, but I love how God takes our I've had enough to I have enough in Jesus. And man, that is, that is such a good word. I needed to hear that today. Um, thank you, brother. Thank you. Church family, before we dismiss, um, I just wanted, as, as Pastor Jeremy was sharing, some of you are in that I've had enough place. Some of you are in the I'm discouraged or I'm tired. When we get together Thursday to pray, Bring your tired, bring your fatigue, bring your worn out, bring your I've had enough together. Let's bring it there and let's just pray and find that we have enough in Jesus. Okay, we're not going to have 7,000 people here on Thursday, but we'll have, we'll have enough people here, a community that God has preserved to pray together and to work with together and to spur each other. And so come on out Thursday at 6.30 as we continue to pray. In God's power. Last thing I want to say, look, man, Pastor Jamie talked a lot about God today. And we get excited when we talk about him. I, I pray as you go out this week, you would keep talking about him. Keep talking about God. That's not gossip. You talk about God behind his back because he's everywhere, all right? Tell him. Talk to him. Tell people about your God. He is so good. He is so good. All right, I want to leave you with this blessing from Isaiah 41.10. And then you'll be dismissed to refreshments and youth. We'll see you on Friday, okay? God's word says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That is God's promise for you, church. You are dismissed. Please, please, please join us downstairs for refreshments and sharpen one another. Youth, we'll see you on Friday.